What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. If it's your first time with us, my name is Gabe Schumacher, and this is the Hope Is Here podcast. Episode 14, and I'm not sure the episode of this series, but the series is in the midst of the battle. Um, It's all about winning. It's all about winning, guys. And this episode title is You Are Called to Be a Champion. So in the next couple episodes, we're going to be going over winners in the Bible. We're going to be going over who you are in Christ, who you are, why you're a winner, whether you feel like it or not. Um, So yeah, let's get right into it. But before we get into this episode where I talk about how you are meant to be a winner, I want to go over the verses or the verse for this whole podcast, podcast, kind of the basis that I started this podcast on. And so, yeah, blessed be the God and first Peter one, three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we have victory. We are able to call ourselves winners because of what he did for us. Because in our own strength, we amount to nothing. That's John 15, 5. He says, without me, this is Jesus. And he says, without me, you don't amount to anything. And I've kind of dissected that verse um, before, not in this podcast. But that's a different story. We'll go over that later. Without the love of God, uh, me talking to you means absolutely nothing. Because without love, no matter how advanced someone may speak, or no matter how... um, like theologically in tune they talk it's just noise it's a clanging symbol it says in first corinthians 13 1 the love chapter so with that let's get into the word so the bible is full of winners if we go and read hebrews 11 we read about the people listed there and why they're in that chapter these people are the ones who did big things for god but not without first having faith hebrews eleven thirty nine, and all these having obtained a good testimony through faith now, they won because of their faith. Um, they came out on top because of their faith. All throughout the Bible, faith is evident. Anyone who ever did anything great in the Bible had to have faith. Now, do you think that David could have killed the lion, the bear, and Goliath without faith? I mean, do you think if he was like, oh man, I don't know if I can kill this giant, do you think he would have killed him? Or do you think he would have been killed? And then do you think Israel would have gone and served the Philistines. It would have been a whole different story if David didn't have faith, but so it probably wouldn't be in the Bible if David didn't have faith. David, if he didn't have faith, he probably wouldn't be in the Bible. These great people wouldn't be listed in Hebrews 11 if they didn't have faith. So as we win, our faith grows. You know, David killed the lion, he killed the bear, and then he killed Goliath. It's just you know, as you win, you grow. When he killed the lion, the lion was coming after him, coming after his sheep, killed it and then when the bear came along it's like oh that bear is a lot bigger than a lion you know he saw that he observed that probably but he was like hey i've killed a lion now let's take out the bear too so then he comes up on goliath and he's like okay i've killed god has been with me okay god has been with me i've killed the lion i've killed the bear let me let's go kill this giant too who is this philistine who does he think he is he has no covenant with god okay like Bring it on, man. That is awesome. That is a winning mentality. That's a stud mentality. Love that. So as we win, our faith grows because David knew he would kill Goliath because he killed the lion and the bear. Now, that's that's a pretty solid winner right there. David is a winner. Now, in my study of the word, which is like two years, <laughs> like of deep study of the word, I, I mean, 
some of you know my testimony or one of my testimonies or whatever, but I have, I've been a Christian all my life, but I've really dove into different study of the word or more just relationship with God um, in the past couple of years, just developing that relationship and wanting to know him. And then I speak out of my relationship with him. It's pretty awesome. It's just great. So in my study of the word, I have not found one instance where God condones losing. So in the next couple episodes here, we're going to be going through Judges 6, Exodus 3, Jeremiah 1. Now in these places, the person, at least those chapters, probably more. But in these places, the person argued with God, but God did not condone their mentality. I mean, Gideon was like, dude, I am the least of the least. Okay, I am like, I'm part of the weakest clan of all the tribes in Israel. And beyond that. I'm the weakest in the weakest clan. So why are you choosing me? I'm literally the bottom of the barrel. You can't go any lower than me. Why are you choosing me? Uh, Moses, same thing except way worse. I mean, Moses went on and on and on and on about how he was so unqualified to take on this role, to take on this position, to go lead God's people Israel out of Egypt. But if God is with you, how, how much more qualified can you get? Okay. Now, the point of that, of, of me listing that little bit there, was in every single situation, including Jeremiah 1, Jeremiah was like, dude, I'm too young. In all these instances, God said, I am with you. It's all right because I'm with you. So that's like your key to victory right now. If you have God, if you have him with you, which if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, which if you believe that Jesus died and the Father rose him again, and you speak that and you believe that, you are in Christ, then you have Christ in you. So you are unstoppable force of nature that has been empowered by God because God is in you. So really, if you are in Christ, you have nothing to worry about. You can face any situation, any trial, and come out on top because one, your God loves you, and two, because he loves you, he's with you. Romans 8.31 If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Jeremiah, too young. But he said, God said, I'm with you. Moses complained. God said, I'm with you. Gideon complained. God said, I am with you. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? God is with you. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now we are meant to yield ourselves to God. To yield means to give up possession of unclaim or demand, such as to surrender or submit oneself to another, to give up one's breath, life, or spirit, and so die. Now, when you yield yourself to God, really you're not losing anything Well, you are losing something. You're losing your life, but you're losing something that you were never created to have in the first place. Genesis 2.15 says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Now, this doesn't mean that we're all supposed to go out, buy some land, and farm it. Okay? Like, everybody has a different role everywhere, but not everybody's supposed to be a farmer or a gardener or whatever. Um, But the point of that is... God told Adam to do something, and that was what he was supposed to do. We were supposed to live for him and by him. Whatever God says goes. 
I mean, we are not the head. We are the body. The body has never told the head what to do. Like, I mean, ever. Okay, that's not how it's set up. That's not how it's, how it's designed to work. Now, if we are supposed to live for and by God, why are we confused when life seems to be miserable? Okay, why are we going through so many tough times? This is what Gideon said in Judges 6, 6 verse 13. He said, so basically, I'll go through the backstory. We'll kind of get into the first chapter because we're going to start with Judges here in the next podcast probably. But so basically, the Midianites had torn apart Israel. Um, Seven years earlier, okay, God handed over Israel's enemies to them. God did all these amazing things for Israel. um, And God said, do not worship the gods that your enemies worshipped. And he said a couple other things. Well, basically, Israel went against all that. They were worshiping these false idols. They were doing this and they were doing that. And they were not living right. So God handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. And they were miserable. The Midianites were this nomadic tribe that was not very nice. Um, Israel would go plant their crop. And the Midianites would come through and destroy it all. Um, the Israel, they were going up in the mountains. They were hiding in caves. They were living there. Uh, they left. They were trying to get away from the Midianites. So basically, Gideon is threshing grain in a wine press. Now, grain and wine don't really go together. Um, the processes of that, okay? But he is, he's hiding from the Midianites because he is scared. He's terrified and he's just try, he's starving and he's just trying to feed himself and his family. Um, and the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, God is with you, you mighty man of valor, you valiant warrior, you brave man. Different a couple translations say different things. And I can just see Gideon kind of turning to him and being like, this is verse 13. And he's like, do you see where we are right now? I am in a wine press threshing grain. How much worse can this get? I am scared. I am petrified. Nothing's going right. And you say that God is with us. How can you say God is with us? If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? I mean, Gideon is just going off. He's like, what are you talking about God is with us? God is not with us. We're starving. We're petrified. We're miserable. Nothing's going right. Okay, people have been asking this question for generations since Gideon, since Gideon. Why is all this happening to us? If God is for us, why is everything going wrong? The Bible says that God is for us, but it doesn't really appear that way. Now, God never promises comfortable situations, but he does promise a comforter in the circumstances. He knew that we would be beyond uncomfortable in this life, so he said, I'm going to give that as one of his names. I am going to send the Holy Spirit to comfort you in all your battles, in all your trials, in all your tribulations, because you are a winner, and winners got to be comforted. <laughs> but John fourteen sixteen, and I will pray the Father, this is Jesus, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, that he will be with you forever, not on you, in you. New covenant. Second Corinthians 1, 3 to 4, which we read earlier, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. Isaiah 26, 3, message translation says, 
People with their minds set on you, you keep completely whole, steady on their feet, because they keep at it and don't quit. Another translation says something along the lines of, He will keep in perfect peace those who set their minds on Him because they trust in Him. Now that brings me to another point. Sorry, I got I got to turn to it. I didn't really plan to do this. Or I kind of did, but I forgot that I planned to it. Isaiah 40. We're going to turn to Isaiah 40. So we know God is for us, okay? Romans 8. God is for us. Who can be against us? That's awesome. That's great. But who is this God that's for us? I read this the other day, yesterday, actually. And I was just, I it was awesome. I loved it. I was like, man, that is, that is incredible. So I'm going to read it now. Starting in verse 12. Who else has held the oceans? And pay attention to every verse and every sentence that I go through because it's just so profound and you can get a lot out of it if you really pay attention to it. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in a bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forests and all the Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering Worthy of our God. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes, they count for less than nothing. Mere emptiness and froth. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold, and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that... They might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God and the words he gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The the people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root. When he blows on them, they wither. The wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? This is God talking. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. O Jacob, how can you say that the Lord does not see your troubles? O Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion 
But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Isn't that awesome? Like, we are unstoppable. We have, I mean, did you listen to that? We have that God dwelling on the inside of us. Anything he calls us to do, why would we be afraid to do it if we know who he is? He loves us. He wants the best for us. And, I mean, he doesn't do all these things so he can just have all this awesome awesomeness, you know. Like, hey, go do this. Go do that. Go do this. He's not just doing that because he's a master commanding people to do things. He's doing it because he loves you and he is love. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't say that, well, it does say that he loves us, but not only does he loves us, not only does he love us, but he is love. He is the definition of love. He is agape love. I mean, he hit him. He himself is in his own category. Imagine that. That is like, let's say this person, his name is Billy. Billy loves people so much. He is he is so so different that he has been put in his own category based upon how he loves people. I mean, you've got phileo love, you've got I blanking on the other ones. There's three types of love. Phileo, agape, and there's one more. There's one more. One more. Okay, I can't think of it right now. Phileo and agape love and one more type of love. And then there's the love of Billy. Billy loves people so much. That's exactly what the love of God is. God's love, he is a person. He is, a, he is not a thing. He is a person. He is a, he is a spiritual being. He has his own love and he is love. And he directs that love right towards you in the form of sending his own son because he loved the whole entire world. It doesn't matter. What the world looks like. He loves the world. He has not abandoned the world. People talk about all oh, this God forsaken place. God will never leave you or forsake you. I've used this example before. But if God has left you. Then he proves himself not to be God. Because God is the Holy One. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never break his word. And if he does break his word. That makes him not God. Because he also says I am God. I will never lie. I, my covenant I, will I not break. Nor alter a word that comes out of my mouth. Psalms 130 something I believe. He, he's not going to prove himself to not be God. Now. I mean. Oh, it's just so incredible. This The love of God, he loves you so much and he has given you this love. He's given you the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you and direct you. And you can win. You're a winner. You know, I find my confidence in him. I find my strength in him. It, when, I, when I mess up, when I slip up, I'm not condemned. I am not condemned, but I am conviction. We have gone from this Old Testament covenant and it's actually the ministry of of condemnation it was given to Moses that has been fulfilled Christ fulfilled the law and now we are in this new covenant of love this new covenant where the Holy Spirit is no longer temporarily on us but he is in us we have Christ in our hearts and we are unstoppable now talking about confidence and stuff we need to get out of our mind out of other people's minds and into his mind Romans 12 2 we need to be conformed to the image of Christ Oh, let me go there just so I can directly quote it because we're moving all over and there's so many 
things in my brain right now. Romans 12, 2. Do, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you. Thoughts of good. I mean, all those different things. It's God directs good things towards you, never bad things, never evil, because he loves you and he is love. So back to what I was saying, confidence. I need to get out of my mind, out of your mind, and into his mind. I need to lose the fear of man and lose the cares of this world. I need to learn to fear God so I lose the fear of man. And I want to put my identity into his love for me. The cares of this world, like I said, we need to lose the fear of man and lose the cares of the world. I have to not care what the world offers and I have to not care what the world says. Because I am no longer in this world. I am no longer of this world. I thought I had a note for that. But I guess not. But that's okay. Actually, I did. Yeah, I have it written down. I'm looking at it right now. We are in the world, not of this world. So why are we judging our situation off of what the world says and what the world thinks? People beat themselves up so much because, oh my goodness, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I can't do that. Well, what are you putting your identity in? Are you putting your identity in Christ or are you putting your identity in the world? Because the world says that you're not good enough. The world will hold everything you've ever done wrong against you. The world does not love you. The world lies to you. So if the world has ever told you that it loves you, it doesn't. Because the world does not love you. The world is not for you. This life is not set up for us. It's set up against us. That's why, that's why God sent his son Jesus to fix it. <laughs> to enter us into this new covenant where we can have life. And life more abundantly because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God doesn't. If you are being stolen from. If you're dying. If you feel like you're being stolen from then that's that's not God. That's not Jesus. That is the world. That is the devil coming after you. And you, you have authority over that. We need to submit to God and the devil is resisted by us submitting to God. It's not submit to God and rebuke the devil and cast him out. It's submit to God. Submit to God and by submitting to God, you are resisting the devil and then the devil will flee because you are submitted to God. The devil doesn't flee from you because you tell him to get behind you. He's already behind you. He, he is already under our feet. Christ defeated him at the cross. So we have, a, we have authority. We have power over that. Let's take a hold of the power which has been given to us through Christ. So if we are in the world and not of it, 1 John four seventeen, as he is, so are we in this world. Do you think, do you think that Jesus loses? <laughs> no. Again, if he lost, then he's not God because God is perfect. And losing is not perfection. John 17, 6, Jesus is praying to his father. It's the big chapter that where Jesus is praying. Um, Jesus says, the men that you have given me out of this world. So that implies that we are once in this world, but now we are out of this world. Because we are in Christ. John 17, 16, 10 verses later. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. That proves our implication there of verse 6. Colossians 1, 13. He has conveyed us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. 
we have been totally transformed. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we are a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away. Losing is done. All that's done and gone. We are a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away and everything becomes new. You have a clean slate. You have a new identity. Everything about you is brand new. When people bring up your past, when people bring up these different things, it doesn't matter anymore. I mean, don't get mad at them. Don't blow up on them. I mean, they don't know any better. You need to know better not to be offended by what they didn't know what not to do. So, yeah. So anyways, that's about all that I have for you guys in this one. So this episode was kind of just a precursor to the next couple episodes uh, where we dive, really dive into those chapters because we didn't in this one. I just wanted to, you know, get you thinking, get you started about the next couple episodes. So that's what I got for you guys. Now, yeah, stay tuned. I'm looking forward to recording these next episodes. I'm going to keep on studying, keep on learning, so I can convey to you guys the best information that I can. But thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to me. That's awesome. I hope you grow from this. I hope you get something out of this. And I hope that even just one sentence that I say from this podcast episode, from this podcast in general, sticks with you. So, awesome. I love you guys. And we will catch you on the next episode.